Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Ceasefire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 30 and we're just going to be doing a retrospective of Steven Bomb 2.0 and kind of our looking forward to Steven Bomb 3. I'm GC13. And I'm Ken. So I guess the big news is that Steven Bomb 3.0 has been announced the day after Steven Bomb 2.0 ended. Very, very short order. Cartoon Network's decided they're getting good results with these bomb events because it's not just Steven that they're doing this for, of course. They're doing this for all of their shows. I know that they had one earlier for Adventure Time. Are they doing another one for Adventure Time? I don't know. I don't stay plugged into the other show's schedules. Okay, I gotcha. But they have had ones for other shows other than Steven Universe and Adventure Time? I'm pretty sure. Okay. It's very clear to see that the last Steven Bomb, the first one, brought in a lot of extra attention to the fandom, I guess. I still don't like the word fandom, but I'll use it here. Uh, you're the moderator of the subreddit, and would you say that like the number of people subscribed really shot up during that time? I think I've heard that. Oh, good grief. The People have actually been posting the chart of the subscriber count today, and you can very, you can very see, clearly see the inflection point for both Steven Bombs, where the graph just shoots up. I mean, we got so many, so, so many subscribers. I mean, it was just not long after Marble Madness had aired when I made a over 9,000 thing for the subscriber count, and now we've broken 20,000. It's just insane. Yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, as you said, this has been very successful for Cartoon Network, and not just necessarily even in terms of ratings, because I actually don't know that the ratings have gone up after the Steven Bomb events, but in terms of dedicated fans, which I guess is probably even more important in terms of making money for a show, having casual fans is nice, but having people who will actually like buy your product or tell other people about it, that is probably where it, it really helps out their bottom line. And in terms of that, yeah, we seem to have very strong objective evidence that, yeah, is helping tremendously. Yeah, and even the ratings weren't that bad. I mean, the first Steven Bomb, the ratings were pretty weak, but for this Steven Bomb, the ratings were about what you would expect for a normal episode, so I don't know if that's just fortunate timing on when the Steven Bomb is, or if we're just, you know, getting advertised better or what, but the ratings were still pretty good for the Steven Bomb. Yeah, absolutely. And since this is during the summer, whereas the last Steven Bomb was during, like, the regular school week, I'm pretty sure the pretty sure the first Steven Bomb was during spring break, so there were there was supposition that the lackluster ratings were, you know, in part due to it not being premiere day and in part because people were on vacation, but Oh you're right. I do remember us speculating about that actually. Yeah, the ratings were pretty bad. I mean you only got up to one point seven million on the return and jailbreak, whereas we we got above one point seven million for all three or all four of the episodes we have numbers for. We won't have numbers for uh, we won't have numbers for Chilliteed until later today when this goes out on Monday. Cool. So since we're already talking about the numbers, I guess we can just jump right into there. Uh, so starting with Sworn to the Sword, Sworn to the Sword had 1.98 million, which is uh, pretty darn strong. Yeah, we haven't flirted with 2 million for a while, so it's really good to see us get close again. Touch, touch a little bit of that sky. Yeah, most definitely. That episode was boarded and written by Joe Johnston and Jeff Liu. Still top-notch work on that episode. Definitely my favorite of the Steven Bomb. Uh, you know, I hadn't really thought about it, but yeah, I think I'm inclined to agree with you. I think Sworn to the Sword was my favorite. In fact, I don't think I even had to think about it that hard. Yeah, that was definitely my favorite. I mean, it gives us the new intro. It's a Pearl episode, so of course it's going to score points with me automatically. <laughs> right, because of your insane bias. Fair uh, enough. Yes, yes. Well, I love Lapis too. I, I am a multifaceted person, just like, you know, most of the Crystal Gems are. Pearl is, of course, infinitely faceted and therefore the best. <laughs> okay. 
I think I primarily like it because that song is super catchy. Oh, that was that was a really good song. I think somebody calculated and it took up a bit more than a quarter of the runtime. Oh yeah, it was super long. But too. I mean, they they really I think they got their mileage out of it. Yeah, most definitely. That episode more so than any other episode in the series, in my opinion, IMO felt like a musical. Yeah, you had Jam Buzz, and you had Do It For Her. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Then right after Sword of the Sword, we get Rising Tides, Crashing Skies, and I, I got nothing against Crashing Skies, and it still did good in the ratings. You know, got 1.82 million. Lamar Abrams and, he- and Helen Joe made it, but I mean, it's... It's just a, it's a fun little episode nested in with all of these plot-heavy ones. It just feels so out of place. Right. I, I definitely agree with that. It feels kind of out of place. I've been on record before as saying I don't really even care that much about the overall plot or the lore, so episodes like this are kind of my bread and butter. But if you can still have a fun episode like Sworn to the Sword that also has this character development that also has some maybe lore or plot implications, like that stuff doesn't hurt. So... Yeah, out of place for the rest of the episode. Still a good episode. I still enjoyed it. And we had uh, Keeping It Together, which was definitely a Raven and Paul episode. I mean, a lot of people, people like me, I don't look at who boarded it before the episode airs, but I'm like, oh, that, that was very Frybo. <laughs> yeah, right. And then sure enough, sure enough, it's them. 1.8 million on that one, and then 1.73 on We Need to Talk. Just sliding down as the week goes on, I guess. Yeah, I guess we won't know if that trend is complete until we see the numbers for Chilatid, but yeah, it starts off at 1.9 and then it just gets lower and lower so far for the first four episodes to air. And I mean, I, I see no reason why the trend won't follow through, but a lot of people like to talk about the ratings, like, oh, this is how good the episode was, but anybody who thinks about it even halfway reasonably knows that it, the ratings and that quality of the episode are pretty much completely uncoupled. I mean, that doesn't even make any sense. You haven't seen the episode before it airs. Precisely. Yeah, I mean, there's no possible correlation. But a lot of people like to, you know, try to prove this or that. Ah, that's ridiculous. And I just kind of wish that we were back on the regular premiere schedule with every show premiering a new episode on Thursday, because I just love comparing the Steven Universe ratings to the ratings on the other shows. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I agree with you. So this episode, We Need to Talk, was boarded by Hilary Florido, Katie Miltroff, and Rebecca Sugar herself. Yep, she always comes in on the those heavy feelsy ones, and I mean, I, for, for our first characterization of Rose, I don't think that we could expect any less. Yeah, definitely. So we forgot to mention this when we were talking about the episode itself, but this episode got leaked early on iTunes. Well, I think it was on Amazon also. Okay. You know, I think I think all of the digital distributors had it up early. I was busy, so even though I knew that it leaked, I didn't actually watch it. The I got it on DVR. I don't need to buy it, especially at the insane rates they charge. I mean, it's kind of insulting when you you know that they have no distribution costs basically, and they charge right. so much. I know that I was pricing out the Adventure Time, and on Amazon you can buy it so that you can stream it, but not download it more expensive than the MSRP of the Blu-ray disc. And then, of course, since it's Amazon, they're selling for significantly below MSRP. I think 25% below. Still crazy. Still crazy. I think eventually they're going to learn the same lesson that Steam learned, or that Steam has demonstrated, I should say, that heavy discounts are how you get get the customers. But I think they're more worried about their ratings and they see this as ancillary and not their main moneymaker yet. Uh, I don't know. It's all a mess. We can hope for someday, but uh, not for not in time for Steven, unfortunately. So we're just going to have to hope for the Season 1 Blu-ray. I mean, show's making a killing. They'd be crazy not to put it on Blu-ray. 
like we don't have that much merchandise, do we? It doesn't seem like they're really trying to take advantage of the online popularity. I don't know. They have a bit in the Cartoon Network store. Like you can get one of Steven's shirts. And then, of course, they have on We Love Fine. I assume those shirts are official because I know some of the crew was involved in judging the ones that they would accept. So I assume that that's official. But then you have all of these fan crafts that are pretty much, uh, I don't want to say black market, but that's kind of what they are. That I don't think any money gets back to Cartoon Network on them. And really, it's their loss if they don't want to soak all that up. I mean, I guess this is a little bit harder to make merchandise for than like Adventure Time. With Adventure Time, the fin hats are going to sell like <laughs> crazy. Then you can do something with that sword as well. And then there's some other iconic kind of character yeah, designs that you true. can do stuff with. I guess I'm just very, very, you know, upset that I cannot go down to the store and buy a box of cookie cats. I, I think that's I think that's the root of my concern here. As long as they didn't try to saddle me with those disgusting lion lickers, you know? Yeah, yeah. I want to know when I can get some Steven Universe action figures. Oh, that would be cool. Posable Garnet. Right. I'm 90% sure there are Adventure Time toys. There have to be, because they have them for regular shows. So if they have them for regular shows, they've got to have them for Adventure oh, yeah. Time. That goes without saying. So how much, when we, when we did Sworn to the Sword, how much did we talk about the Pink Diamond Theory? Uh, I think it got brought up. But yeah, I, everybody picked up on that. You have these four squares. You got your yellow, your white, your blue, and your pink. Some people, including me, had before been saying, well, you know, what if Rose is pink diamond? I mean, she has a pink triangle as her personal symbol. And we have very strong indication that a diamond has a triangle in her color as her personal symbol. So I guess the only question is, why are they squares there instead of triangles? That's that's the only wrinkle in the plan, I think. Mm, I don't know. They just they just gotta tease us. They, they gotta leave us wondering. Like we're slowly unraveling the pyramid temple. We we still don't know exactly what's going on there. We know it was built after Rose wasn't Pink Diamond anymore, if she ever was, because there are only the three triangles in that in that room, and it's in the exact same formation that the floor has the three triangles in in Jailbreak on the ship, but. We just gotta wonder. Talking about the talking about the diamonds, some people have brought up the possibility that maybe Sardonyx is the gem name of the gem leader who has the title Yellow Diamond. Okay, that seems fairly reasonable. Do you want to explain where Sardonyx comes from? From the from the announcement for Stephen Bomb Three, the week of Sardonyx. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was so cruel of them to tease that. I mean. A lot of people are wondering, is it the Garnet Pearl fusion? Is it the Temple fusion? Is it a fusion involving Jasper? Then there are some people saying that, hey guys, Sardonyx can be green, and could that mean that Sardonyx is the centipedal? And then there are other people saying, no, it can't. So it's just an open field at this point. So I just, July 13th cannot come soon enough as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Most deaf. We will be looking forward to it with great anticipation. Great, great anticipation. Cool. So the last episode that we haven't mentioned yet is a Chilateed, boarded and written by Lamar Abrams and Lauren Zook, or Zuke. Not sure how to pronounce her last name. Uh, this is the first episode she worked on. Yep, she's a freshman to the cast. I think she did a really good job. I don't know how much of that was her and how much of that was Abrams, but it was a very good episode. So her inclusion, you know, hasn't brought the quality down at all. Nope, not a bit. I started following her on Twitter, and she appears to be a lovely lady. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing more of her episodes. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder who came up with the idea for the sitcom dream, though. I don't know. It was a good idea, though. Chillateed. <laughs> 
Oh, darn, it's got a catchphrase. She better use that in the future, at least once. Well, Steven would have to tell her that it's her new catchphrase. I don't care about this continuity. Just make it happen. Rick comes up with his own catchphrases. I think Garnet needs Steven for that. Adult-only show, Rick and Morty has a really strong following among the Steven Universe fans. I mean, stuff like- Yeah, I've noticed that a lot of people really like that show. The only, I only, only saw the first episode, but it wasn't really for me. Stuff like Gravity Falls and Adventure Time, you know, you can see the stylistic collection or connection and you're going for the same basic age range, whereas Rick and Morty is just- I guess the world building is also going to appeal because that's the that's a big thing that's a big draw for Adventure Time, you know, just the seeing more of that kooky world. Yeah, I guess I guess so. I haven't seen enough of it to comment. It's pretty good. I mean, if you're into if you're if you're into mature rated stuff, it's definitely I think more one of the more properly adult cartoons. You know, stuff like Super Jail is very sophomoric. Thinks you know. All it has to do to be grown up is to throw buckets of blood at the screen. But Rick and Morty actually, you know, deals with stuff. Man, I really want to see Steven fuse with one of the Crystal Gems. I want to know that's possible, and I want to see what the result is. Uh, yeah, that'd be cool to see. But I guess we just have to have to wait until July to, to see what's up. I mean, I really wish they would just get back to the one episode a week thing. But for the most part, I'm just glad to be having the new episodes. Yeah, most definitely. I think I'd prefer one episode a week instead of the Steven Bombs. But like we said up top, it seems to be working out for them. And I guess if more people like the show, that's always a good thing. It gives us more show in the future. So great. Whatever it takes to draw in the fans. Am I right? For show. So I guess that is that. I hope you guys enjoyed us babbling about uh, mostly Steven Bomb 3, I guess it turned out. I'm talking a bit about the ratings of Steven Bomb 2, though. Right. I guess next week we'll probably be doing more retrospective episodes on the like first episodes of the series, most likely. We're up to Cat Fingers, um, another decidedly creepy episode. So you guys can all look forward to that next week. See you then. I'm GC13. I'm Ken. Later. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.